Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. Chuck, do your cheek thing. All right, I'd like to explain this to everyone. Uh, We have a little superstition here at Stuff You Should Know. And uh, basically, every time Chuck doesn't do that with his cheeks ahead of time, we have a terrible take. And sometimes I have to have to stop partway through. It gets so bad and do it again. And we've noticed that when Chuck does this, uh, we have a good take. So prepare for an excellent podcast because he just did it twice. Yes. So we're good, right, Chuck? I think we're set. Yeah. So and and I feel a little bit better after um, you told me that this article we're about to talk to or talk about ten bizarre ways to die mm-hmm. was blowing up on the homepage because it, it, it means that there's a lot more people uh, than me who right. are who have a morbid curiosity slash fascination with death. There are, uh, buddy. This one and the. Are there dead bodies on Mount Everest? Apparently, did phenomenally well on the homepage. They exploded on the homepage. They exploded on the homepage. Yeah, and uh, you know, people want to to know about these wacky, bizarre deaths. So we're going to share some of them. Yeah, we agreed we weren't going to do all ten, right? No, of course not. Okay, uh, I don't know if you picked uh, the guy from Canada, the first one, but if you didn't, I have a question for you. Okay. So this guy from Canada in 2008 got stuck in a sewer grate after he went after his wallet. Yeah. And sad. he was still alive, right? When they pulled him out by tow truck. Yes. But then he died. So my question is, did was he crushed to death when they pulled him out? Did the tow truck kill him? Like, what killed this guy? Well, that's a great question, and I don't have the answer, actually. My editor, Amanda, asked me that same question. She said, how do you actually die? And I... Couldn't find it. I looked, um, other than the fact that he was stuck in a sewer, wedged several feet down, you know, mm-hmm. upside down right. for a period of hours, right. which can't be good for you. But he was still alive when they pulled him out by tow truck. He died on the way to the hospital or at the hospital? Something. I think he was alive when he came out of the sewer grate. He was. So, yeah. He, he was pronounced dead at the hospital. Gotcha. Okay. And this isn't the first person to, to die from being <laughs> no. stuck in a sewer drain. I know. Which it's is really sad. It's nuts. Yeah. And we should say we're not we're not making light of any of these. These Certainly are very not. sad tragedies that have happened, but so abnormal sometimes that they you know. Well, it's in the title, bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. B- bizarre. Yeah. So, yeah. He he uh, went down to get something, retrieve something in the wallet. drain, his wallet. Yeah. And uh, after a robbery, and got stuck upside down and, for a period of hours, and was like you said, pulled out by a tow truck. Yeah. And it was too late. It's odd. It is. Uh, well. Uh, well, that's one. I don't know if you're planning on talking about that guy or not, but I had that question. Uh, I was not, actually. Okay, well, give me uh, give me one of yours. Josh, I'm going to talk about the woman who died uh, by her sheep's hand, or I guess hoofs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this, again, another sad tragedy. In 1999, a woman in England, uh, you know, she was a farmer's wife, and she was going out to feed the sheep. And she had a little ATV yeah. that I guess she rode out to, to where the sheep were. And the sheep were really hungry, and apparently they came at her with a lot of force yeah. and knocked her off of a cliff. And, but she uh, was parked along the edge of a quarry, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so they knocked her off, and they say that the sad tragedy is that she may have lived, um, if not for her ATV uh, falling on top of her. So that was knocked off as well I mean, that, came down on her. Hungry sheep. Very hungry sheep. Did you get an idea of how many there, there were? Uh, it just said a flock. A flock. So... 
Well, it's like two or more, right? Sure. Yeah. So well, I'm thinking probably a little more than two to yeah, knock over to knock an ATV yeah. and a woman. Yeah. That is kind of um, bizarre, again. I think that definitely falls in the category. Let me ask you, how did you choose these? That's a good question. I thought you might ask that. Right um, on me. Well, I mean, you just start looking around on the internet for strange deaths and bizarre deaths and... Pretty soon you've got a, a big master list yeah. of uh, stories. And Did you have to pare down? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Sure. Okay. What, give me one that, you, that, didn't, that didn't make, make the it. list. Yeah. Oh, I can't think of one right now. You put me on the spot. I love putting you on the spot. I know. I can't think of one right All now. All right. Well, maybe by the end of the podcast? Sure. Okay. Well, let me give you one of mine, Chuck, which, by the way, this is just an excellent article. It's it's as good as numbers journalism gets, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I guarantee this is one of yours, too, but I'm going to just go ahead and steal it. Um, in 1919. Oh, yeah. I love this one. It's just so nuts. Yeah, it's weird. Um, in 1919, in North Boston, there was a neighborhood that was largely populated by Italian immigrants. And one of the big features of this neighborhood was, I guess, uh, a huge holding tank at, at, I assume, a molasses processing plant or something. Yeah. Huge, huge holding tank that, that held... Um, 2.5 million gallons of molasses. Apparently, that's a couple gallons too many because the tank ruptured and, from what I gather, exploded with molasses. There was shrapnel that was flying everywhere. Right. So some people died that way. Sure. But I think the uh, the the most horrific uh, aspect of the deaths that came out of that that day was that um, 21 people were killed by a 25-foot-high uh, wall of molasses. And you know the term slow as molasses? Right. That did not apply in this case because <laughs> the reports were that it was going about 35 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. The problem is is you have that much molasses and it's traveling that fast and you get stuck in it, you're going to drown in molasses. Yes. And I can't imagine it takes more than one breath of molasses to drown you. Yeah, I would say so. But yeah, that's a pretty horrible way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And the weird thing is, is uh, it's apparently to this day, I understand, they... Um, the residents of this neighborhood, almost 100 years later, at least, well, 90 years later, still say that on a hot day they can smell the molasses that took years right. to clean up this mess, right? Yeah. And, I, you know, of course, that's one of those things that might be lore at this point. Sure. But it makes for a good story. It definitely does. I but, yeah, so. 21 people died drowning in molasses, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bizarre. Very bizarre. Uh, on to the Collier Brothers. I love these two. This is my other favorite one. These guys were pretty famous, too. If you're from New York City, um, you've probably heard of the Collier brothers at some point. Um, Langley and Homer Collier, they moved to New York uh, to Harlem in 1909 mm-hmm. when they were in their 20s, and they were from an upper-crust family, uh, kind of well-to-do. And the brothers uh, lived together in Harlem and uh, became hermits, basically, over the years. Yeah, and not just hermits, but compulsive hoarders. Yes, yeah. which, you know, we should do a podcast on this sometime. We should. That's very interesting. You know, um, I read a uh, an analysis of compulsive hoarding using uh-huh. the Wonder Machine, uh-huh. and they found that when asked to decide, like, if they, if they should throw away one piece of junk mail or another, the region of the brain that's associated with um, processing very unpleasant experiences lights up like a Christmas tree. Really? Yep. Interesting. And I'm, uh, yeah, from what I gather, Homer and Langley were definitely yeah. compulsive hoarders. Legendary, right? Legendary. Uh, apparently, they accumulated 180 tons of 
uh, you know, they called it junk in their apartment. And I know, and think about that, Everything Chuck, you could think of. That's 60 more tons than what they've got every year on Mount Everest, right. which is one of the most littered places on Earth. Right. And this is an apartment Yeah, these guys had it in an apartment. Yeah. yeah. So I think to call them compulsive hoarders is right on the money. Uh, so, I mean, we're talking busted chandeliers, uh, baby carriages, smashed pianos, clocks, furniture, <laughs> so weird. newspapers uh, just stacked to the ceiling. Yeah. Uh, Homer went blind in the 1930s and was bedridden because of rheumatism by 1940. Mm-hmm. And uh, his younger brother helped care for him uh, night and day and saved all these newspapers in hopes that one day his brother would regain his sight. I know, which I found beyond sweet. Yeah, it's pretty sweet and strange. Um, the other odd thing is, is they had their home booby trapped Yeah. because they were, what they did was, you know, they moved to Harlem and then Harlem over the years started becoming a little bit more of a rough neighborhood Mm -hmm. and they never moved. They just like shut themselves in and, and, you know, closed all the doors. Still, it's still Detroit though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so they set these booby traps and, uh, it turned out to be Langley's undoing. He tripped on one of these booby traps and was buried beneath an avalanche of junk and Homer was starved to death because his brother wasn't around to take care of him. Did you get the impression that Langley died instantly, like of a broken neck or something like that? Or did he possibly starve to death as well? You know, that's a good question. I yeah. didn't get that because it didn't say. It just said that he was buried uh, underneath a pile of junk. So he could very well have just been trapped and had to starve to death as well. I mean, can you imagine Homer realizing that his brother's just died under a pile of junk and right. he's blind and bedridden you imagine he would have been like oh right i'm toast yeah exactly so bizarre yeah very bizarre yeah and uh, apparently uh, i read this i think it was a new yorker article about this and the author said that he grew up in the 1960s and 70s in new york mm-hmm. and his parents that was something they would say they'd say you know, clean up your room or you're going to end up like those Collier brothers. Oh, and it was sort of those a, poor know. guys. I know. I'll bet they were grossly misunderstood, too. Probably. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it's my turn, huh? Sure. I call this one Death by Irony because that's what it feels like to me every time I hear this one. Okay. Peg Entwistle? Yeah, yeah. So she was a failed actress, somewhat successful back in New York, but mm-hmm. she got um, she was drawn to Hollywood land. Right. As the sign originally said, right? Right. Originally. Um, and, and in 1932, after a, a, a string of rejections, she... Acting uh, role rejections. Not, thank you, Chuck. Not romantic. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Wow, wow. Um, she So, yeah, she kept getting turned down for part after part after part. Um, and she uh, decided she was going to take her own life, which I call dedication to your craft, right? Yeah. So she climbs up to the H... But first leaves a suicide note at the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. Climbs up to the top of the H, which is like, what, 60 feet or something like that? I think it's about that. I smell some listener mail in my future. Right. Um, but she climbed up to the top, jumped off. 60 feet or whatever it is, it killed her. And they found her two days later. Mm-hmm. And uh, her, her suicide note was very apologetic and short and sweet, and she just couldn't take it anymore, right? And what, what kills me is that... The day after she died, she killed herself, a letter arrived at her house offering her a part f- for the role of a suicidal woman. Right. Ugh! Yep. Yeah. That one, that's bizarre and agonizing. Agonizing. Yeah. I, you know, I used to, uh, the Hollywood sign was outside my window in my apartment in L.A. Yeah. That's very cool. It's a very cool view. And didn't, like, a Keeper and... Sutherland live in your neighborhood, too? <laughs> he did. Yeah. Uh Mr. Mouthbreather, I'm going to go ahead and jump straight to number one. 
Okay. Is that I like okay? this one, sure. Uh, death by Unexplained Phenomenon is what I'm calling it. Okay. Even though I know it's really space aliens. Uh, <laughs> in the Ural Mountains of Russia, this is 1959. Yeah. A group of college students, uh, Russian college students, went hiking uh, from Ural Polytechnic Institute. And this is in the wintertime, and so it was cold. Uh, nine never made out of the woods, and what the investigators found was frightening. It really was. Horrific, I think, is a good word. Horrific. I don't even know if this one's bizarre. It's horrific. Yeah, just unexplained and horrific. Um, first of all, they found their tent abandoned. It was ripped open from the inside and half buried in snow, and their shoes and like their coats and uh, their belongings were still inside the tent. Yeah. So that's where we're starting with right. our investigation. And there's, there's snow everywhere. It's like winter, right? Sure, February yeah. in Russia. Uh, the first two bodies uh, were found at the edge of the forest, barefoot and dressed in their underwear. The next three bodies were found near near there in similar state. Mm-hmm. And then two months later, the last bodies were found buried in the snow about 250 feet away from them. Right. So they're all dead. Right. Um, four of the students had massive internal injuries, broken ribs, crushed skulls. One of them was missing her tongue, which is just freaky. Yeah. And... Uh, but they had no external wounds and no signs of struggle. No, so they had like crushed skulls, but no external wounds. Right. That's insane. Yes. But the weird thing is, is what they found on their clothing, right? Well, the final victims were wearing the clothing of the other victims. Right, but weren't, wasn't the clothing irradiated? Yeah, they did uh, test on the clothing and found that it had high levels of radiation. Uh, the case records were sealed until 1990. And when the case came back open, they learned that there were bright orange spheres uh, spotted in the sky that night mm-hmm. by other hikers. So you think uh, you think aliens, huh? Oh, and these people, their faces were uh, sunburned, too. That's crazy. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was aliens necessarily, but I think it was probably what I think it was some kind of army experimentation, uh, radiation, maybe bombs, something like that. Yeah, that's very odd. But, I mean, it's still to this day, they, uh, the Russian government won't own up to anything happening out of the ordinary yeah. in that area. Nine of your uh, your youth killed it, your hand, right. accidentally or otherwise. It makes for bad PR. Yeah. And you guys can't see this, but that one was clearly Chuck's favorite because normally, like in an article, he will uh, highlight a, a little passage or two as a reminder. He has that entire thing highlighted. Yeah. You love that one, don't you? I do. It's really strange. Can I do one more? Sure. We haven't hit 10 yet, have we? Okay, so I call this one Disco Boy, the 16-year-old kid in England. Yeah. 1998. Um, And if he was 16, he probably only started using deodorant maybe a couple of years before. Right. But he took a real shine to this stuff. Mm -hmm. Spray deodorant, aerosol. Aerosol deodorant, right? Um, And apparently this kid would just slather it on all over his body couple of times a day mm-hmm. and you say in the article it was so so thick sometimes that his family downstairs could taste it right right in the air mm-hmm. um and eventually at age 16 he dropped out of a heart attack right yeah and the reason why he, they found he he had heart failure due to um uh levels 10 times the the lethal dosage of butane and propane uh, liquid uh, liquid natural gases that right. are used as accelerants in aerosols or were, and this kid uh, built it up time over over probably two years, man. Right. I mean, think about that. 
and it just built up in his system and finally just stopped his heart. Right. Which is just crazy to me. You and, know? And apparently he used it in a very confined space, like his bathroom. Yeah. Um, so not only was it he absorbing right. it through his skin, yeah, he was he was inhaling it as well. Right. So we're not saying it's dangerous to use any kind of aerosol. Well, good luck finding an aerosol deodorant these days. Well, Aren't true. they legal? Illegal? At least ones with uh, with propane and butane in them. Sure, if you say so. We'll go to the store and look. <laughs> okay. You want to after this? Yeah. Well, I'd bring that up because I know somebody who occasionally will use Febreze in her hair to kind of like freshen up. And now, now I'm kind of like, I wonder You're what kidding. kind of... I kid you not. I find that really strange. As do I, Chuck. Okay, good. As do I. So, uh, yeah. Okay, well, it's 10 bizarre deaths. X number of bizarre deaths. There's still more. That you can read about. Yeah. And uh, I strongly recommend uh, anyone go on to uh, the site. Read this article, a fine one, written by one Charles W. Bryant. Thank you. And uh, all you have to do is type in 10 Bizarre Ways to Die in the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Yes. And Chuck, while we are here, while we have everyone's attention, because we know you guys don't go anywhere. You know listener mail's coming eventually. You want to hear your names. So first, exactly. Um, first, let's talk about our spoken word album. That's right. Josh and I and Jerry uh, got together. Excuse me, Josh and me. And Jerry got together, and we recorded our first ever uh, full length. It's like an hour plus super stuffed guide to the economy. Yep. And uh, we break it down economics on a global level, and tell you what it means to the individual, and get into some pretty complex stuff in a, in the way with, that we like to. Do. Yeah, I feel like we broke it down into very um, manageable knowledge, right? Yeah. Well, that's the Stuff You Should Know Super Stuffed Guide to the Economy. Yes. Uh, which we love that name. It's up on iTunes for, what, three ninety nine right now? Three three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. If you guys want to go get it, that's cool with us. Uh, you can actually find it on iTunes by typing in Super and Stuffed, or Super Stuffed, two words, I mean, in the little search bar right. on iTunes. And I think it's the first thing that comes up. Maybe the only thing. No, it's not. Oh, okay. But it is definitely the first thing that comes up. Uh, and you can find it there, like I said, on iTunes. Great. And I guess while we're at it, uh, we should go ahead and plug the blog, too, right? Our weblog? Well, we have a blog now, folks. It's yes. called Stuff You Should Know, Yeah. oddly enough. And you can access it through the homepage, HowStuffWorks.com, over on the right side. Chuck and I each post once a day. Uh-huh. So it's updated twice daily. Sometimes it's news items that we find interesting. Sometimes it's something that... Uh, a fantasy in that maybe isn't uh, full enough for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a little recap on Fridays, so where we can, you know, talk to the fans about what we podcasted about that week, and mm-hmm. it's fun stuff. It is fun, actually. I've kind of taken to taking it. a shine to it. Yeah, like disco boy. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So, uh, Chuck, I guess it's listener mail time, right? Indeed. Josh, this is a really good one. I'm just going to call this exceptional fan mail. We get these from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember when you brought up uh, prosopagnosia? Yeah, facial blindness. Facial blindness. Yeah. You want to do a real quick uh, recap of what that is? Uh, basically, uh, there's a there's a um, malfunction of the brain region that processes visual facial information, and so people with pro how, 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 say it one more time, Chuck. Uh, prosopagnosia. Yeah, well, facial blindness. Um, ha- I have a total inability to make a, 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 me- a memory of someone's face. So right. seeing somebody you've known for years 
for the thousandth time is like seeing them for the first time. Right. You don't recognize them. So we had someone write in who has this, mm-hmm. which is very cool. So we like these first-hand accounts. So Anna uh, wrote in and, and said that we could read this to our fans. So I thought it was kind of cool. Thanks, Anna. Uh, she said that she uh, cannot visualize the faces of her coworkers, or anybody for that matter. But she does. I do see faces when I look at them. This means that we can memorize features such as hair and skin color, haircut, and facial structure to some extent. Feature-based recognition like this is useless for recognizing people out of context, but it's usually enough to differentiate between people in context when you expect to see them. So in other words, she comes up with a system of how to recognize people at work, let's say, right? or you know, somewhere else you might go to the club. Sure. Um, secondly, we recognize voices just as well as the next person. I know a lot of people wrote in and asked that it's question. An excellent point, yeah. Uh, so that safe uh, that safe word thing when talking to relatives is absolutely not necessary. You were talking about having a safe word. Eskimo or pickle. Right, that's funny. <laughs> uh, so in the workplace, if a colleague greets me, uh, I know who they are from their voice. Uh, thirdly, people's body language is very individual, and although I can't recognize somebody's face, I can recognize how they walk and move, which is very individual. That made sense to me. Yeah, because it's just the face. Exactly. Yeah. Only the face. Um, yes, that's what she says. It's, it's Facial recognition is specialized for faces only in the brain. Yeah. And fourth, uh, she says that people tend to dress uh, similarly from day to day, and that's also a good guideline. So you develop coping strategies. Most of the time you get by well enough. Although I work at a large company, I very rarely have problems at work. And with people I meet regularly, and I don't think my colleagues notice. So that's great. Yeah, you come up with a system. It's it's kind of interesting. Kind of like the guy Memento would write down yeah. important things or tattoo the really important things right. on somebody. Yeah. Well, thanks, Anna. You sound like a sharp tack. Appreciate you uh, sharing all that with us. Mm-hmm. And if you want to uh, share some tips for overcoming uh, facial blindness or anything else, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?